0: Welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes that they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Jeff Newman and Stephanie Scott learned a lot while working on their show, First Contact. The reality-style TV show on APTN brought Canadians from similar backgrounds together to learn about Indigenous culture and attempted to shatter their racist beliefs. As filmmakers, their goal is to educate not only the participants on the show, but people worldwide by shining a light on prejudice, on stereotyping, and on racism across our country.
1: This experience has been life-changing and a a really rare opportunity. I knew going in that these opportunities don't come around very often. Maybe this is my only opportunity to be able to to create a show I feel that can have real social impact uh, like this, but also be entertaining.
0: I sat down with First Contact Director Jeff Newman and Executive Producer Stephanie Scott to talk about the trials and tribulations of making the show, Canada's long history of individual and systemic racism, and the importance of listening to one another to learn and to grow.
1: Because you don't really know someone until you meet them.
2: And because I care and I want to know your truth.
0: Jeff Newman and Stephanie Scott, thank you for joining us for the Because and Effect podcast. Happy to have you here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So we're going to be talking a lot about First Contact, the show from Newman Films. Uh, Stephanie, you're an executive producer and uh, Jeff, obviously the director. But before we get into it, maybe just tell me sort of the premise of the show, where it all kind of originated and how that all got started for you guys.
1: Well, just to jump in, Newman Films is one of three... Uh, producers, actually. Oh, okay. So um, the the actual uh, creator, originator of the show is Productions. That was Vanessa Lowen as a producer there. So Vanessa is really the core, really, that, that got this going for us. And uh, the other production company involved is Indios Productions. That's Stephanie's production company. So... Stephanie uh, Indios and, uh, and and Anna Mikasi are both indigenous production companies, Newman Films. My company is a non-indigenous production company, so from the get-go um, it was really created and originated by indigenous production companies <coughs> and producers, and then I was lucky enough to, to, to work alongside to help uh, bring the vision to life. But maybe, Stephanie, you can probably talk about where it's where it started, because it actually didn't start with us.
2: Right. So just being very humble we needed a lovely talented director so we're, we're happy at, that we had him work with us so thank you um so what had happened back in about 2014 vanessa lowen brought the idea from a production company named Blackfellow films so we developed it probably for about a period of six months we thought the story was gonna die the show the series because nobody was picking it up we went to the main broadcasters uh, CBC, CTV, things like that, and I've got a really lovely email that talked about the idea being inauthentic. So, fortunately, APTN picked it up, took it on, and was brave enough to to tell that story. Um, and then also TVO was also came in later for uh, another window later on. But um, the development was fun. The first time I saw the trailer, I was mad, angry, upset. You know, I cried a little bit. And Vanessa said, what do you think about this? I said, amazing. You know, I think this is the kind of television that Canada needs to have. Um, I think we can learn a lot about each other. And this is a good way to do it through storytelling. Absolutely. So the premise
0: is, Jeff, tell me the premise of the whole show. Like what, what exactly is happening? uh, Great question from, 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 yeah, it's a, (laughs) it's a big question and it's kind of an interesting show, but it's really compelling. As soon as you hear the premise, it's like, Ooh, this is going to be good.
1: Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, actually like it's built around a a reality show format. I think that's what makes it, makes it unique. Um, But it's really not like a reality show. So what we did is we took six, Non-Indigenous Canadians, uh, all that have uh, strong—we we would say strong views—but generally, uh, uh, to break it down, I mean very racist views towards Indigenous people, culture, and and uh, a lack of knowledge, uh, and, uh, and 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 some of them had really deep-seated views uh, towards Indigenous people, um, and we took these six people to uh, uh, different communities. Uh, around Canada, Indigenous communities, uh, to meet firsthand with community members, uh, sit down, have an open dialogue. Uh, you know, the, the idea being is nothing is left off the table here. You have your views. Uh, you're you're pretty strong-willed in your views, and we're going to have a chance to sit down and talk to people and share those views, and let, let those, uh, let the Indigenous people have a chance to say their side of the story, and it is a fascinating uh, way to bring issues to light and suddenly hear a whole new perspective to these viewpoints that, uh, as non-Indigenous people, we've uh, quite frankly grown up with uh, as through through systems, through uh, schools. Uh, much of the information that we've received is is uh, incorrect, uh, most of it, if not all of it. <laughs> um, so to have an opportunity to to ch- challenge that uh, and, and and to bring that out uh, in a in a way that's quite frankly very entertaining uh, is uh, was a rare
0: opportunity. Stephanie, you said you uh, felt some pretty strong emotions when you saw the trailer. Wh- where did that come from? What did you expect, and how did uh, the final product kind of subvert those expectations?
2: Well, growing up in uh, Winnipeg has been described as one of the most racist cities in Canada. I'm a Indigenous woman, brown skinned. You know, I've lived a life through these cities, walking the streets, been discriminated against. You know, victimized. Um, I think that when the idea first came to be, I was, you know, we were talking about it, Vanessa and I, and we're thinking about, like, can we produce a show in Canada? Because Canada is quite reserved. We weren't sure that people would actually come on television and say what they thought. But, you know, the further we got in when we were doing the casting and we heard the people... Everything that they were saying on video, they were completely open and content to say what was on their minds. And and that was kind of fascinating to me because although that it's been quite in my face and it's often hidden sometimes, I didn't think that people would actually say some of the things that they did.
0: I, th- I think that same way when I see some Facebook posts or some tweets or, you know, like how are people this overt in their... Ignorance, essentially, right? So when you're seeing that happen, how, like, what was the most surprising part for you when you when you watched the first few episodes or, or s- watched season two as well?
2: Well, when we were going through the editing process, Vanessa and I and, and Jeff, we were getting all of the dailies and we were reviewing and screening. So we watched hours and hours and hours of footage, and you know, it, it wasn't one-offs; it was repeated and it was constant, and it was throughout all of those days that they were on the road for 30 days, and we we actually. Midway point, I think we, we closed down our laptops and we thought, like, are we doing the right thing? Are we giving them a voice that we shouldn't be giving to them? Um, you know, because a lot of those comments are hurtful. And, and when it's repeated, you know, you're almost there's a little bit of vicarious trauma happening there. And you're just, what are we doing? Is it going to be OK? And we, we kind of doubted ourselves briefly. But, you know, in the end, we, we realized the importance and the significance of ed- ed- educating people in Canada
0: it's because of the transformation right it's because the when once you actually have experiences for the most part and and interact with indigenous as a non-indigenous person you realize holy cow like my whole world view is is missing a, a whole component right so is that transformation uh, constant and consistent or d- was there some times where some people just wouldn't break through that exterior
2: Yeah, there were a couple of people that didn't change. I mean, we had hoped people change, and we thought, what if nobody changes? What are we going to end up with in the end? But I think the value of people coming together, sharing a meal, being educated, learning about Indigenous communities across this country, there was no, no chance for them to, I think forget about what they had learned, what they had witnessed, what they had saw. And Jeff was in the communities on the ground all the time. We were watching this visually, but he was there, you know, right there. So he can tell you a little bit more about so
0: that. Share with me some experiences where you were filming maybe and felt th- like, holy cow, this, we really have something here.
1: Yeah, I mean, you'd end up with these, we would call them light bulb moments <clears throat> where um, uh, we, knew, we knew where the participants were going on a day-to-day basis, but they didn't know. Right. I mean, they didn't know what experience at all they were getting to when they started the journey. Um, so when it would be nerve-wracking but exciting knowing that say we're gonna bring this group into someone's home and we knew uh, that person's story, uh, that they were going to be sharing their story and and that uh, uh, having those opportunities to bring people together, knowing what the preconceived uh, uh, perspective is, or the ignorant view is, uh, and then being able to hear something that completely uh, uh, shatters that myth can be a really, really uh, powerful experience. And then you see that, that light bulb go off. So, I mean, that was our goal constantly, to be able to... Uh, find uh, experiences and and stories that would be able to help directly shatter uh, views that they thought were ironclad. You know that no one can dispute this, and this is what I know. So that was really really impressive for both
0: of you. What's an example of the most surprising uh, moment or revelation or light bulb moment or or uh, transformation that you saw?
1: Well, I mean, if, if we go, we've we've done this show for two two seasons now, and in the first season. Um, there was, uh, the, the three men and three, we had three men and three women on the journey and the three men were all very entrenched in their, in their views. One of them was a bit younger, quite a bit younger. Um, but we started to see he was really affected by people, right? And the stories, and it didn't take long. So after a couple of weeks, um, he then started to push back to the other two men who were having trouble changing their views uh, and really uh, being willing to open their minds. And that moment that he stood up to them, uh, I'd say it was one of the most powerful moments that we've had is when suddenly when you say all that this guy has done is he's had an opportunity, he's listened, he's taken the information, and now he's fighting back on behalf of this group. and That's kind of what the whole show is about, is to be able to provide knowledge information true information and empower people to have that uh, the, uh, the tools to 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 be able to fight the arguments i think non-indigenous people have not been given those tools and it's up to us as non-indigenous people to find out what those tools are so th- that to me is a really powerful
0: powerful Just kind element. of creating yeah. allies in a way right like trying to Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you
2: need definitely need allies. And I think that, you know, what, what's important to notice, too, is that it's the younger generation that became very open-minded. So I think the earlier that you can work with, you know, non-Indigenous Canadians and teach and educate, that we're going to be a lot better off moving forward because you'll be armed with, you know, the correct, accurate information. And we can only grow together and, and move forward that way.
0: That, that was surprising about uh, about the show in Season 2. The, the youth component like there's two relatively very young kids essentially on that are going on these experience, but it just shows the systemic pro- problems with the education system that there was such a level of ignorance I forget what the young young blonde girl's name was, was but She was, she was yeah. just kind of like I don't know anything and I'm okay, you know like and it's weird that we allowed that to be the standard almost right so are you hoping that people just walk away from this with a little bit more education? What, what's the hope that you take, not from people who were on the show, but from people who are now watching the show and seeing, like, holy cow, this is, uh, this is pretty interesting? What do you hope they take from it?
1: You know, I, 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 for me personally, I mean, uh, I, I want people to have their worldview shattered. Like like it was uh, for me, sort of gradually. It's not it's not necessarily something that happens in an instant. It's something that builds up over time, and um, uh, that's really again the hope of the show. We're just saying just listen, and, and, and if you have, uh, if you if you can connect with this person, this is this, these are real people, uh, and, and and if you can affect, uh, uh, again, to, I mean you you look at Canada as a whole. What we need is is that tipping point where we have uh a, again a strong uh voice across the country that are standing up and 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 uh working on behalf of indigenous people and trying to again not just sort of right the wrong sort of thing but um uh re- really just start i mean we're all human beings <laughs> you know we we all deserve uh uh you know fair treatment equitable treatment and it's and it's just it's not happening continues to not happen and uh, that needs to change. What about you, Stephanie, what are you hoping
0: both Indigenous and non-Indigenous people get when they uh, watch the show?
2: I think that, you know, the education factor was important to me. We've had, you know, a lot, a lot of feedback and and we've got it from both sides, Indigenous and non-Indigenous. People are very thankful that we produced the show, that it was done, completed, and they were learning. People said they loved it. Um, Sometimes we got some feedback which was not uh necessarily negative but people were saying like why do we have to continue to educate as indigenous people well i think a lot of us feel that it's important that we share those stories and and when we went directly to the communities not one of those people said you know i don't think this is important i don't need to share my story i don't want to educate so i think that we need to be open-minded on how we approach this and coming together and, and really learning from each other listening. You know, and I think that the the coming to the community and the sharing of food is a first step. It sounds Mm. really simple, and I don't want to minimize it, but just understanding that we are all human. We all feel, we uh, love, hurt, pain, laughter, um, and just sharing some of those things can help.
0: Yeah, I think that's an underrated, you know, breaking bread with your neighbor, right? That's such an important thing, because we all just like to eat, and we all just want to take care of each other and (laughs) and have a good time and be safe and happy. But listen, listen, yeah, yeah. when you're doing that. (laughs) So... When you are um, signing people, or when people are tr- sort of when you're casting, is the is the word you're looking for? What types of people were you looking for? And was there someone that you were like, oh, we can't put that person on TV? Or was there? An, was everyone pretty much you know the same for the most part? Or what 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 make what made a good um, subject for the show?
1: Well, I mean, first and foremost, I, you you gotta understand when you're looking back on where we were, we were started, we weren't sure that we would find anyone that would was willing to, willing to, talk. Talk to do right. it. So we were, we really wanted to make sure that we found people that were willing because the show just wouldn't work. Otherwise, um, we needed everything out on the table. Um, but what we found and we're, we we're quite astonished by of how many applicants that we had. And, we, and, and in fairness, they didn't, all they knew is that they were going to be going on a cross Canada journey and that they'd had and strong opinions that's what we were looking for people that were willing to share what they really thought so they were we, they were given uh, a, a list of questions throughout the casting process because it was a casting process and um through that we had a lot of politically charged questions a whole wide range of things you know what do you think of donald trump what do you think of you know this and that and and uh, within there we we weave in questions about what do you think about indigenous people what do you think about indigenous culture those kind of things um, and, and over time, we were able to whittle it down to 10. But there was plenty to choose from, um, uh, unfortunately. Um, but I think of, of the people that we did, we tried to find our, uh, a range of different uh, uh, opinions that we're able to touch on that would, people could, could relate to. And also different levels of, 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 of ignorance and, and racism that uh, we, could, we could, again, we were trying to connect with viewers. I mean, transforming the six is at the core of the show but transforming, you know, everyone else is really at the, is the goal.
0: Yeah. Everyone probably has someone that they relate to, whether it's the young kid from wherever, was it Ontario primarily? We had, we had four from Ontario actually in the second season. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it runs the gamut of, you know, the sort of stereotypical old white kind of stuck in their ways people to the young innocent, quote unquote, innocent, ignorant group. So like, when people are responding to the show and watching the show do you have you seen transformations in audience members as well when when they sort of
1: give you their feedback oh yeah i mean life changing i and and not to overstate it but i mean stuff you you've heard it you've heard it too we've I mean, heard
2: it a, a lot and i right. think even like if you take a look at some of the social media i think that people are like their eyes are open they were crying and you know just could not believe the level of ignorance that they thought when they had an understanding or felt that they knew a lot about Indigenous people and, and what happens in those communities. And I think one of the things that is missing often is like where that trauma comes from. Like it's mm-hmm. generations and generations of trauma and assimilation policies that have caused that. And I think that people also need to be educated and not not only stay with the show, but, you know, do further outreach, research more, read, you know, there's a lot of books out there now by indigenous authors too that that can be very helpful. So
1: absolutely, yeah, it's a jumping off point. Yeah. And, and we don't see it as saying you know you watch the show and, and you're then are good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we want we want we want to trigger trigger action with people. We want people to go explore, reach out on their own. You know, go visit a powwow, go get involved, go go to. A, you know, we had uh, recently uh, a member of a nation in Alberta uh, that. Uh, Uh, said hey listen we have a we've got a great museum we'd love to have people drive through it you had people come through our our you know our our region before but you didn't make it on the show Um, can you let people know so we have an interactive map on our website that you can go to so we added them to our website so you know there there there's a, a constant like that it's funny that there's an email.
0: Questioning the authenticity when this seems like one of the most authentic kind of uh, experiences you can have when you're sitting across from someone and really learning about who they are, where they came from, why things are how they are for them. So, when you're seeing that, Stephanie, like it must have been a little bit traumatic to sort of revisit a lot of the things that may have been said to you over the years. Was that hard, seeing the dailies and kind of reopening some of those wounds?
2: Yeah, it was definitely difficult. I think right from that initial email when we were getting turned down and you know we were just we were really surprised and and we kind of held on to that and maybe I need to let it go at this point but i mean it's just well, when it's, you when you take a look at your your broadcaster right the cbc mm, you would expect that they the want to share those yeah. the canadian broadcaster share those stories but as you go up you know the hierarchy of of management and i mean there's definitely not a lot of senior level indigenous people on there someone that you can discuss and have that feedback so i think that's also important to note that that has to happen too to make change because who are the decision makers um we were being a little bit traumatized you know it, it was painful and you can only watch so much of that for a little bit before you have to you know shut it down a bit and then open it up the next yeah you know go for a little smudge do whatever it is that you have to do and and then just kind of refresh but I think through the storytelling and, and and what Jeff ultimately was able to edit down and and became a very beautiful important part of stellar storytelling that you can bring two groups together that have some discourse and 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 want to learn and and the hope is that it makes change and I think that, you know, all three of the production companies, you know, we, we bought into the idea and we th- felt it was important and I think we were a great team and I think that satisfaction is something else to be excited about because of more that groups can come together and, and do this kind of work. I think it's really important too. We had multiple voices being at the table. The collaboration is a really beautiful thing for sure.
0: Where did the name come from, First Contact? I'm most curious, Is, is who can, it, can either of you speak to that?
1: Well, that, yeah, yeah, that was actually the name of the original show in Australia. Oh, okay. Um, and and again, they have very similar issues down there with the Aborigines people down there. So, it was uh, it was it was, you know, it was right from there. It's a universal
0: story because there's you know New Zealand, many countries have the same sort of past, but Canada seems to be one that, at least in my experience, actively tried to. Either deny or hide or ignore or pretend or misinform people about it. So, how do you feel like we are as a nation right now sort of on that path to reconciliation? Do you think there's a long way to go? Do you think we're on the right path and we're sort of doing things as we should be? Or what, where are we? Where are we as a nation?
1: It's a big question.
2: I'll let you start. Well,
1: I, I mean, I think there is an a, there's a incredibly long journey ahead, um, but I would say that there are definitely some bright lights of of of, of transition. And I think w- the biggest thing in order to help that shift is the schools, um, uh, prisons, um, hospitals, uh, our, all our institutions need to set an example and 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 and. Be inclusive and change their policies and, and look relook at how we do things. The court systems um, systemic sys- systemic, uh, systemic right? absolutely it, it it's it's so entrenched that um, you know that's a that's a huge huge thing and that that doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say in terms from a, a grassroots level um, and for youth there is there seems to be a lot of hope there. And I, and, I, and I see it with, I mean, I sent Stephanie the odd video of, of my daughter who's, who's learning Ojibwe at school uh, uh, in, and in kindergarten. They've got a kukum uh, and, and Ojibwe uh, grandma that comes in once a week, came in last year when this was happening and, and would in, interact with the kids. So those, to me, are these little blips that you're saying, wow, that, that never would have been a thing mm-hmm. when, when certainly when I was a kid. Um, but, so you see these glimmers of hope and 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 actually the educational community, while it hasn't been in Im- first contact hasn't been embedded into a curriculum um we've had tremendous feedback and support from school divisions and teachers across the country that have been using it as a teaching tool for for older kids so Very cool um. As far as the bigger picture stuff, I mean, I'm sure you've got a. Yeah. Perspective. Well, I
2: also uh, spent five years at the Truth and Reconciliation Commission documenting the history of residential school survivors. So we spoke with over seven thousand um, people across this country, and I think reconciliation right now. I don't think I'll see full reconciliation in my lifetime, but I think that we've definitely started. I think through the sharing of story and experience and understanding and learning about some of the atrocities that happened to our people is a first step. I think that, you know, the introduction of kookums in the classroom is amazing because I grew up myself in the the school system here in Winnipeg and I didn't learn that history. I was also adopted out. So I grew up, you know, learning the stories and and feeling ashamed, you know, the words welfare, addicts, drunks, uh, dirty Indians. Those all came up often in my lifetime. So Do I hear it less? Um, I hear it less, but uh, I know it, it hasn't completely gone away. I hope that it does. And I hope that it does one day for my grandchildren, you know, that they don't have to face that discrimination and that in the next couple of decades that we all are proud of each other and and we can live together, you know, side by side and not only Indigenous, non-Indigenous peoples, but we have a lot of newcomers too that we need to, you know, understand and learn from. So I I definitely am hopeful that, you know, reconciliation can happen. It's just going to take a little while. Definitely.
0: Yeah, I, I keep, being reminded of when I actually learned what a residential school was because I feel like in school it was either brushed aside or not really talked about and I just oh it's just a school in the in the residential part of town you know I had no idea the the and regardless of what the reason was if they're just trying to protect the kids or whatever it was we have to like the truth sometimes gets forgotten about how important that is right um what is the overarching message of first contact? What do you, if you could boil it down to one or two sentences, what do you want that to be?
1: Um. Wow. I mean, it it, it is. It's so hard to try to boil it down. But. <clears throat> um, I don't. I mean, I don't know, Steph. What would you say?
2: I think the over. Um. You know, look at your neighbor. Listen learn share some love share some laughter um, i think through the education and you know i keep coming back at to say listen to each other you know there's many stories that would would make change for one another i mean there are people that have come to this country from war torn countries you know i mean we've all had lives that have been interrupted in some way whether it was through your grandparents or you know several gen- generations down the line but i think that you know first contact is a first step i think you can watch it there's a lot to learn there and and then you know be your own person and and want to learn more and seek it out
0: mm-hmm. it's yeah it seems as though not just listening but don't assume There's a lot of assumptions being made Mm -hmm. when it comes to the ignorance and the prejudices that we have. So just don't assume. Just meet someone and make the decision based on that. Don't assume or paint an entire group with a single stroke. Yeah,
1: and don't be afraid to question either. I mean, question uh, these things that we take as almost like social norms or the way things are. Um, Don't be afraid to question that. Go, Go investigate for yourself. You said well, that, that human interaction. The show is built around that. The show, 90% of the show is people sitting around a table talking. And that's mm-hmm. all it really is. There's mm-hmm. a lot of dressing around it that, that, you know, and to grab you into the show. But it's really all it is. It's yeah. so important.
0: Why do you think it's so hard for people to sit across the table from someone that they don't
1: know and just learn? You know, like what? Is it just fear-based? Is it? Oh, I th- yeah. I think it is fear-based. I think it's it's very it's a frightening concept. And again, trying trying to make that happen at times was very difficult for us to just allow you know to to, to bring it to happen. But again, I think what what we saw time and time and time again was after bringing the people together, it started off really really tense. Everyone's you nervous. You could tell on the show absolutely. Oh, yeah, you could like feel really it. conversations. Are yeah, like- we we didn't have to do anything. To, it's really hard to transfer that feeling on in tv now it came through yeah. for me for sure <laughs> <There's>, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's ner- it's nerve-wracking and, and but you know by the end it really was this this warmth i think this sense of wow like we're all just people and and it is amazing that uh uh to to go through that over and over it really gives you confidence that you know if we can just bring these people together to share then it's going to work out it seems to do it yeah
0: i feel optimistic about the people side of things it's just the system side of things that seems like that's the hard thing to kind of break through right you can get people in the room and you very quickly realize holy cow we're all just the same but when you have so many barriers set up for it that makes it impossible for certain groups to do certain things it's kind of like well now what so now what (laughs)
1: yeah
2: you know i i think that you know what you're talking about too is that indigenous people are also um a benefit for some people you know sometimes there's a business you take a look at the residential schools it's gone to prisons and now we're in child welfare systems mm-hmm. as well right so that's ongoing but there are people that have multiple multiple jobs and that are you know mm-hmm. earning a living off the the trauma of this generation so i think that also has to change and jeff was talking about earlier you know, to make make a difference, look, if you're in prison, we visited the uh, healing center where there was an opportunity for people to come together and to learn about their culture, right? So that was a step on opening the mind and allowing a different pr- approach. And, and people were doing better, you know, recid- recidivism was less, mm-hmm. so... It happens. We so have to think a little. Be open-minded. Differently.
0: Yeah. <laughs> think differently about how we kind of approach things, yeah. for sure. Um, what's next for First Context? Is there going to be season three? What's the plans? You guys been talking about
1: it? Well, uh, as for right now, we're focused on 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 bringing this into schools. Um, we're 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 trying to develop uh, an educational package mm. that uh, some that to to build around the shows. Um, it takes time and it's Mm. something that we're working at as far as future seasons um i mean the one advantage that we had to do it a second time was that we were able to to shoot it to film it prior to the first one airing and that was very important to us because there wasn't a sort of uh, an idea preconceived notion and and i mean the last thing that we would want to come out of this experience is that suddenly people are treating it like a competition style show so that it becomes more and more of a reality show so as for right now we don't have any plans for a third season not to say that there's definitely uh a future for the for the for the show for, or for the, the concept, brand for yeah. the concept mm-hmm. in some way i'm just not quite sure what that might be right now yeah what are you thinking
2: Uh, What am I thinking? Oh, I, you know, I mean, it would be very difficult to, I think, approach a third season, but I have thought about it in different ways to do it. I don't, I mean, we all haven't discussed this yet, but, you know, I think that there is also uh, the possibility for a French version through Anna Mickey. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a part of that because I don't speak French, so (laughs) it's going to be very difficult for me to engage, but, um, you know, I think that there are a thousand stories out there and that if you take first contact as an example, I mean, you could definitely come up with a few, you know, and branch off in another direction, but, uh, you know, something to think about for sure.
0: There's so many conversations still left to, had, to, to have, right? You guys kind of dipped your toe into the political situation when there was a lot of kind of uh, conversation and debate and arguments and et cetera. Um, were you careful to... Wade into those waters, or did you want to kind of dive head first and say like, if we're going to talk, we might as well talk about the most um, divisive things among us, right? Is that what you were kind of hoping for as filmmakers or as, as showrunners or executive producers or did you were you trying to kind of not be too
1: divisive I guess? Well, I, I think that again, we weren't these are things that we felt a, a responsibility to talk about. Um, these are very important issues. Um, we we visited, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, uh, the the home community of Colton uh, Bouchier's family. Um, we were in uh, 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 near in Gata-Satage, Quebec, near Oka, where the Oka Siege happened uh, in the uh, early nineties. So these are th- these are situations that we know is are divisive and and that they deserve to have again let's hear the other side of that voice but absolutely i mean we, we had to be extremely careful in terms of how we dealt with it um there you take on a lot of responsibility to wanting to to get it right uh and 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 again f- getting the right feeling out of it uh we we want to this show is is about to uh y- you know we we don't want to make things worse <laughs> you know um, and we have huge confidence. The one thing that we can always count on is our the communities and the community members. We like to call them knowledge keepers uh, uh, that uh, provide share stories. They always can diffuse any situation because we're 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 igniting a bit of a some TNT when we arrive. Sometimes you know with with what's going on, but uh, it, it always seems to work out. Basically, mainly because of how they respond to things but you know it was the patience was inspiring i w- you know there's people
0: coming in essentially to your home and saying like i don't believe in the way you were living essentially like yeah. if you're pulling it down it, and they're just calmly okay well why do you think that and, and and get the dialogue going and very easily like you said diffuse the situation i mean how did you feel watching some of those conversations play out
2: I think it's it's definitely challenging. I mean, you want it to be very, very sensitive to what's happening in the Indigenous community and that we're not, you know, just exposing them for entertainment. But I think that any time that um, an Indigenous person is given an opportunity to share their truth, mm. I think that's what's most important because, you know, often we hear it from the other side, as Jeff was saying, and, and didn't have that experience or opportunity to come face to face and face those ignorant views or or racist you know stereotypes so I think that you know people needed to be able to say it what was on their minds what they felt in their heart and how they were going to address it and often it worked out to the benefit I think of everybody that was sitting around that table not all but most Mm -hmm. you know I mean because we did witness a couple of that you know didn't didn't open their minds and and want to learn more And, and even that was a little bit okay because it just told us a story of where we're at with a different generation too so but you know anytime somebody gets to speak their truth i think it's important very well said
0: this is the first time i've done a podcast with two people thank you very much for doing it uh at the end of our time together i asked the same seven questions to everyone so maybe the way we'll do it, i'll ask you both and you can go one after the other and we'll just kind of go from there sound good okay sounds good all right so question one this is the just because segment uh what is the first cause you actually ever remember caring about who wants to go
1: for Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well uh, to be, uh, you know, if I, if I were to, to really think about it, it would be um, when I was in grade five and uh, 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 one of the kids in our class, um, her name was Robin Adams and she got leukemia and uh, we learned about cancer through her experience and we all... Pulled together and created a blood drive in our school and uh, uh, we, as kids we couldn't give blood but all the community and, and, and parents came and, and, and we did this big drive and we raised money uh, and gave blood and, and uh, that was the first thing I really felt moved by and really passionate to want to be a part of because we all came and we helped out and, and uh, unfortunately we lost Robin th- that year. Um, it had a, a major impact uh, uh, on me. I still remember it vividly, and uh, yeah, but it had a lot of a, a fe- effect on me, so I think that was something that uh, was an introduction, I guess. Not necessarily activism uh, as much, but something it was really something to pull together and, and, and believe in uh, as, a, as a young person. Introduction to the shared humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Stephanie?
2: Mine was um, when I used to watch the commercials when I was a young child. I don't know what age, but I used to see World Vision mm-hmm. and, you know, convinced my mom, too, that we needed to adopt somebody because I was also adopted. But as I, I grew up and I learned more, I was like all of a sudden realized and, and understood that we also have these challenges here in Canada. So how how can mm-hmm. I help? How can I make do better uh, make a better community and and I got involved in the arts and I brought groups together like I brought together indigenous youth and newcomer youth and I paired them together and they were taught dance, music, film, storytelling and they all flourished together they were two groups that were very afraid of each other mm-hmm. but they came to grow and love each other over a two-year project and I think that that's really what is important is the children And I think that we really need to nourish their minds and hearts and their spirits so that we all can be better people. Beautifully said,
0: poetic, I love it. Uh, Question two, if money and politics and logistics were no issue for you at all, what's the first thing you would do in support of your cause? It could be a current cause or a previous cause. What's the first thing you would do if you could just snap your fingers and make something happen?
1: Well, I mean, I can say from having been a part of this experience uh, on First Contact, there's no question for me. Is to immediately create um, I don't know if instant reconciliation is 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 the right word but I think this idea of um, evening out uh, so that indigenous people had all the same uh, opportunities and 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 could thrive uh, uh, like every like the rest of, of, of non-indigenous people have the same opportunities so Without a doubt, that would be the the number one thing. Just to, level the playing field. Yeah, I mean, it would be. Uh, wow, what a w- imagine having that magic wand. <laughs> I mean, wow.
2: I don't know what I can say to that, but I had <laughs> follow up after that. But yeah, no, I think that's definitely important. I think that if I had all the money in the world, I would definitely do the same, and I would open up arts academies everywhere mm. so that um, all peoples can come together and share their stories and learn from each other.
0: So important, yeah. I think that's what's great about this show, too, is that it's entertaining. You know, it kind of, it, 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 I'm not going to say tricks you, but it, like, hides the no, message. Yeah. It, it hides the message in yeah. the entertainment factor because it is, like, set up, like, today, or day six. And, you know, they talk about all these. It, it is very reality show-esque in that way. But at the end of the day, you walk away and think, holy cow, like, that is some real stuff there. Sure. Yeah. It's
1: the, pa- the packaging. Right. But the, the the core content is just. It's brilliant
0: sharing those truths. Question three, what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about the cause that you care about?
1: <laughs> well, again, that's the kind of a, considering uh, what we're talking about, um, the, the, the the biggest, uh, you know, I, I guess there's so many misconceptions, um, but I, I mean, the the basic one is, is that, I, I guess the this, this general worldview of this idea that n- nothing was really as you thought when it comes to uh, the history around uh, the, you know the indigenous people that were here before any of the colonists and and, and where things are now and that the relationship there. So um, I think that's the biggest, misconception is everything <laughs> you know everything you've is this everything you've been taught is is a lie and and it's it, it's true mm-hmm. it, it and i think that that is something to have to come to terms with and once you've accepted that that then everything is becomes a lot easier to accept because uh it, it it's sort of this big broad thing that oops yeah. uh, that you know yeah you have to blank your slate first and you just uh,
0: become a you, you can't think of what you used to believe or what you used to be taught as, a doubt. as gospel, right? That's yeah. right. Stephanie, what would you say? What's the biggest uh, misunderstanding or stigma I that think still that, exists? I
2: um, some of the misconceptions about Indigenous people are, you know, inaccurate. I think that, you know, we always, even though we're thriving in today's society, there's a lot more doctors, lawyers, you know, senators Um, that there are people in the communities that have held traditional knowledge for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years so that somebody could go into the forest and forage and and find a medicine to heal what might be ailing you. And that because it's, you know, not Western, that it's not valid. But those Mm -hmm. knowledge keepers are exceptional people. And, and, you know, they're doctors in their own right. And and people also need to understand that and learn that and be open-minded to that too, because Mm -hmm. they've, you know, produced some miracles. 100%.
0: 100%. Uh, question four. What is the time in your life where you've had to pivot because the plan wasn't necessarily working?
1: Do you want to run with this one? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep everything to, to first contact here because uh, it's had such a huge impact on me, and it's relevant to the conversation. But, um, you know, in, in making the show, it's very, cha- it'd be very challenging. It's a lot of responsibility, um, a lot of sleepless nights. Um, and, um, there was, uh, uh, it was actually an, an elder, as the, during when we were creating the first season, um, I was really struggling trying to make this show work. We had to shoot it in 28 days, and we had to make all these things happen, and from a logistics standpoint, it's, it's very challenging, let alone the subject matter that you're, that you're, you're, you're trying to deal with. Um, and the, the, the elder he stopped me as i was trying to dictate to him how i thought the shoot should go and he said stop being such a white guy and don't control everything and we started i laughed actually and we just started we started talking it we started talking it through and he said you know what you're doing all the right things just let go and let it happen don't worry about it it's going to work out and i found that for me was a very subtle pivot in terms of trying to go about things a certain way and force things to happen because I felt that was the responsible Mm -hmm. thing to do as opposed to and that's not saying just completely willy-nilly from that point but once I I was able to allow myself to be free and just you know keep keep doing and have confidence in what you're doing everything fell together and it really did so that I've I've used that I've Stephanie's heard me tell this story before I'm sure because it deeply affected me and I've told it many times and I've used it I've used it in my own life uh saying like just let go mm-hmm. and 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 just let it happen and again that's that's indigenous knowledge is what that is mm-hmm. right very ancient wisdom really very simple mm-hmm. but it's easy to get caught up in our own world so that was a big moment for me for sure Stephanie
2: I don't know some days I feel like I pivot every yeah. day <laughs> and <make> changes, but <laughs> I think that um you know uh, I'll echo what Jeff has to say There are multiple times that I've had a plan in place and want it to go one way. And I've heard often, you know, just let it happen. It'll unfold naturally and and let it go and it it does magically fall into place. So I think that, you know, pivoting is a good thing, but can also send you in the wrong direction, too. Mm -hmm. So let it happen. I like it.
0: This kind of leads into the next question. What's the question five? What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given?
1: Just let it happen, I guess. That, that was pretty, good. yeah, for me, that was kind of your question four a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was great advice. Um,
2: I think it was one, that, that was one piece as well, but it was also, if you can't be good, don't get caught. <laughs> no. oh, <I> like <laughs> that. I From should. a very wise person. <laughs> I like it.
0: That's brilliant. Question six, what advice would you give your 10-year-old
1: self if you could talk to him or her right now? Um, you know, I think I, it would be probably a similar form of advice, but y- you know, don't um, don't worry about things. I mean, I'm I'm a kind of person that I I, I worry a lot. I worry, you know, you know uh, always, am I doing the right thing here? Uh, and I think if you can just, uh, you know, if your heart and your gut go with that, because I found in my life the times that I have taken the wrong pivot or made the wrong is, is when I haven't trusted myself and my instincts mm-hmm. and I think um, uh, I think I have the right instincts and if you don't have the confidence in those instincts that's when you can make mistakes so as a 10 year old I, and, I, uh, and I will tell this to my own son actually thinking about this but um, yeah to really just really trust that your, your, your core gut about things if it doesn't feel right it's probably not and if it does feel right then go for it mm-hmm. you know Stephanie, what advice would you give your 10-year-old self?
2: Um, To love yourself. Mm -hmm. I think know that your brown skin is beautiful, that you make up a a huge melting pot in this country, and that, you know, even though at 10, you might might have not thought you were wise, but you sure are very intelligent. Very nice. I think that's a beautiful
0: beautiful message for all of our youth, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Last question. Thank you both for being so candid and and talking to me and being on the podcast today. What do you want to be remembered for?
1: You know, um, I I think, first of all, I think I'd like to say that this is, as a filmmaker, um, this experience has been life-changing and a a really rare opportunity. I knew Mm -hmm. going in, that these opportunities don't come around very often. Maybe this is my only opportunity to be able to to create a show I feel that can have real social impact um, uh, like this, but also be entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a filmmaker. That's what I do. I try to make, you know, I want people to watch. I want to have impact. Um, So I hope that if any kind of legacy I have is that um, I was able to use the tools that I have as a creative person to positively affect um, other people and humanity as a whole, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it, we can't do everything. Um, but if you can find your own niche, um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm uh, full disclosure, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not an activist, generally speaking, not in the sense of, I'm not out uh, picketing and, uh, you, you know, uh, at that level. It's Not me so much, but this is a but version. This is of it. a version, this is my version of it, and um, uh, trust in you in, in that. And and uh, so I, I hope that I'm, I hope that I've you know, in terms of some kind of public service, being able to to, to do that and feel good about that so.
0: for sure. Stephanie, we'll give you the last word. What do you want to be remembered for?
2: Uh, I was thinking about this yesterday, even before your questions came. Is what mm. if I died today? What do I want to be remembered for? You know, I think that um, honest truthful but i have integrity i'm a good cook and a loving grandmother Mm -hmm. and mother that's what i want to be remembered for
0: beautiful well thank you guys for being on the podcast Uh, congratulations with season two good luck with whatever projects you're working on in the future where can people find first contact right now is it on aptn is it online
1: what where where can people find it yeah it is online aptn.ca slash first contact you can find the first and second season there
0: beautiful thank you very much for being here uh appreciate your time thank you thank you That's a wrap on another episode of Because and Effect. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again to uh, Jeff and Stephanie for sitting down and telling me all about First Contact and your experience making that show. I know they mentioned it once, but if you go to aptn.ca slash First Contact, you can watch uh, all of season two there. It's a really amazing show. It's kind of crazy once you see the uh, the change in people and, and the evolution and the sort of you can watch barriers be broken down in real time. It's pretty fascinating uh pretty fascinating show so congratulations to them and thank you again for uh, being on the podcast um thank you for listening if you haven't subscribed to the the cause and effect podcast please do so on however you uh Consume the podcast, be it Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Hitting that subscribe button will ensure that you'll get every new episode every Tuesday when when we release them. We have a few more episodes to go in season two, so if you want to be the first to listen to them every Tuesday, you can subscribe at becauseandeffect.org. All music on the Because and Effect podcast is composed and produced by Trenton Burton. You can hear his music by visiting trentonburton.com. Special thank you to Sonny Promolo, Robert Zirk, and Jeremy Morantz for your production assistance on the podcast. And speci- and a special thank you to Bertine Schmitz for help marketing the podcast as well. I appreciate all your work. Cause and Effect is a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation. You can follow them on social media by searching at WPGFDN on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram by searching at Nolan Bicknell. Thank you for listening again. Uh, that's all for this week. We'll see you on Tuesday, same time, same place, wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, there's a big difference between hearing and listening. Bye-bye.